Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. This is Mike and I'm joined outside an icy Hornet shop, Vicarage Road, by Jace. Jace, how are you? Apart from the obvious cold, as in freezing cold, not cold ill. Yeah, after watching that, yeah. that did nothing to raise my temperature. It, it happened, didn't it? The game happened. I was, gonna, I was just thinking about, as I was walking towards you, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if Jace had a good Christmas, because it feels like we've been, we're coming back from a break, and it's usually that's what it is, the Christmas break. How was it to be, to be back inside Vicarage Road? Were you excited at the prospect of this game this afternoon? How, how did the break treat you, and how do you think it might have helped or hindered Watford? I was looking forward to coming back, I think, and uh, and it felt like Hull was a, a good opportunity to, to get some points on the board. I think we'd have gone up to third had we won, so I sort of looked at the table last night thinking, yeah, this looks, this looks pretty good. Let's get some points in the bag, get up and running. By all accounts, there was a good week in Spain for the team, so you're thinking, OK, you sort of look at the team lineup. Perhaps disappointed, but understandable that Saar wasn't there. And then you look and see Ngakia, oh, good to see him back. Tom Delibashir, the, the the other one back in the night, they were the sort of the interesting touch points, I guess, of that of that starting eleven. I just wanted to ask you, Jace, about it's May Lassar. and it's been you know it was a week since Senegal have knocked out. I think uh, Watford gave him some time to visit his family, and I don't think he actually came back to the training ground until Friday, I believe, either Thursday or Friday. So, with all that in mind probably no great surprise not to see him involved today especially considering the weather as well whether we'd got the best out of I'm, I won't care I'm not going to cast aspersions <laughs> as to uh, Ismer and his uh, uh, performance when it's cold but you know to, to play devil's advocate for a moment and Watford are obviously managing Ismail Assar knowing how happy he is with Senegal and knowing how important family is we all know that of course but with Watford needing to hit the ground running after this break <laughs> giving him a couple of days maybe but taking him out of this game entirely is that sensible I think yeah you've got giving him a couple of days means yeah allowing him time to yeah, to get back as well with the travel time and get settled then that, that probably what that is isn't it it probably is Wednesday at the earliest then Friday how long have we, we we've been working on the game plan for this game probably longer are you then sort of risking that the game plan if you've got a player coming in sort of halfway through the week He's been playing tournament football. That's the game every four days for the last three weeks. But then you could say that's championship football as well, isn't yeah. it? Particularly in this um, asked about season. So, yeah, sort of ifs, buts and maybes, I think. I'd, I can understand why we did it. You want to manage it. You want, and you don't know, is he going to be here for the rest of the season? Is he going to be going in, in January? A decent enough World Cup that might pick interest again in a, in a few teams. So are they managing him for either one or either of those scenarios depending on what happens in January a very pragmatic answer Jason I think you've talked me around I think it probably makes sense we you know we're going to have him at least until January there are a couple of games um, you know the games are coming thick and fast now aren't they so perhaps managing him and uh, and getting him into that side is going to be uh, important and perhaps erring on the side of, of caution is is probably sensible I think I guess it's that frustration will be compounded after a performance like that and let, let's get into it I was going to talk about briefly about England and how they got on but I don't think we can do, we can talk about two disappointments on this uh, on this <laughs> podcast obviously they've England doing all right against France I think it's fair to say disappointing to crash out against against France at the quarter final stage but they did all right not to, nothing, nothing to be too upset about there I think that uh, that that side's time will come 
But it's been a while since we've seen this Watford side in, in action, Jase. I mean, they're longer for you than, than me. You missed out on Bristol City, fortunately. I didn't think Lightning could strike twice. It has. Two nil-nils on the bounce. Um, but let's run, run through that side. I think Dan Batman, I don't think he really had, had much to do. And although... He uh, did, did have to rush out and make a couple of saves, didn't he? I think there was one It was a fiercely hit shot late on that, that he dealt with. It sort of came at him quite quick and he got, yeah, got behind it and made sure it didn't go back into the danger zone. Um, so yeah, an okay performance from him. Did what he had to do. The yeah. one sharp, sharp save with his leg as well, wasn't it? In the mm. in the second half, quite early in the in the second half, where he had to snuff it out. So fair play to Dan Batman. Although we will just touch on 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 what on Batman had to do as the game wore on in that second half. It did feel like Hull had more sort of sights of goal and unleashed what two or three efforts two fan noticeably uh, got the uh, got the warm welcome that he probably expected from the from the Watford faithful he had a, a chance on the turn which went over the bar they had a couple of other efforts perhaps Jays with a, a better opposition could we be even more disappointed in terms of the, the scoreline in terms of Hull's finishing do you think possibly possibly yeah the chances they had particularly that two fan one you mentioned where he skied it like a hurricane penalty sorry I'll back onto that subject again um, that was a woeful effort and probably one we expected having seen two fan last year um, yeah it did, as you say in the second half it, it did feel particular, or more as the game went on I, I'm not sure if it was when we made the change and we bought Manai on yeah. all of a sudden Seri seemed to be getting yeah, loads of space in midfield and it just allowed them to set up the, I think the right back was getting forward the guy that came on as well the number two for them um, he was getting loads of room out on the right hand side they seemed to be focusing down that side probably knowing what we do that Kamara good a player as he is his positional sense isn't always great and teams can get behind him so perhaps they were targeting that and you could see that pattern of play from them you can see what they were trying to do Um, and that yeah they got some decent balls into the box found some space and that chance from Tufan came from that didn't it well let's talk about the defence and I think mainly for me they kind of were all right. I think Hassan Kamara did what Hassan Kamara does. Um, uh, we had Cavaselli and, and Cathcart in the middle. I was talking to a chap from Northern Ireland, actually, in the, before, before the game. He was excited to see Craig Cathcart. And I said, I think he's been Watford's, one of Watford's best signings. He's, you know exactly what you get, you get from him, a, a meat and potatoes performance. And it was like that again today, I, very very cool and calm and yeah, collected. I'd, I'd go as far to say he was my man of the match, yep, Cathcart. I thought he didn't put a single foot wrong. Yeah. I mean, he... Yeah, defensively, absolutely superb. No, yeah, nothing got past him. When he had to make the tackle, measured it right, read the game really well, you know, sort of the interceptions, head, feet, chest, whatever, you know, just taking the ball under control and getting it out. Obviously, he saw a lot of the ball as well because there's a lot of sort of back back and forth, back and forth. Um, uh, yeah, for, for me, man of the match. And Capricelli defensively did really good. Again, the passing... Yeah was poor from him yeah. and, and needs to be better but yeah generally the defence well defensive well, duties they did well yeah and, and I think Cavaselli did do well he got himself sort of like made a few sort of lun- not lunging that's the wrong description but he sort of got himself out of danger a couple of times and he got his team out of trouble a couple of times with, with sort of going that extra the sort of yard for the, the stretching challenges he was committed throughout and I thought Cavaselli had an eye-catching game he usually does for one yeah. reason or another but I think he did he did pretty well but the one I wanted to really talk about in that in that defensive unit, number number two, Jeremy and Gakia, is a bit of a curate's egg, isn't he? You can't <laughs> quite work out whether we've got a decent player on our hands or not, whether people at the club fancy him or not for the for a, a long term position. A chance for Ngakia this afternoon, Jace. How do you think he did? Because personally, not not convinced. I, yeah, I think I think it's too soon to write him off after that one game. I thought again defensively, I thought okay. Going forward, we 
perhaps needed more from him. And what probably didn't help him were the changes that, w- that were forced. Yeah. And that he ended up with Hungbo in yeah. front of him, yeah. who I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and yeah, which made him the, the sort of senior player on that on that side. Um, and it, yeah, it was a bit of a struggle, but I think we need to see more from him to sort of make a judgment. I think he got he got passed a couple of times. Certainly, as the game wore on in that in that second half, as Hull sort of there was a period, wasn't it, where the Hull did seem to build up a, a bit of a head of steam. The second half was certainly more entertaining than the first half, which was as big a non-event I think I've seen at any match, let alone a, a Watford match. But yeah, I just felt like he got passed a little bit too often, and it looked. And I, th- I think what you do see with what Watford as this championship season goes on is the difference between those with Premier League experience mm. and genuine Premier League chops. And, you know, Hassan Kamara's got his, um, his faults, obviously, but he can tell the game just looks easier for him, for example, than it does for, for someone like Jerry and Gakia. So absolutely not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but I think he, how, he'll go, how he'll feel going home tonight after that, I'm, I'm not sure he'll be, he'll be that chuffed. I think it, it's, you're absolutely right to talk about the, the changes um, because they had a big impact. It looked like a fairly innocuous challenge relatively early on. Um, it was between Hamza Chowdhury and uh, the Hull 20, wasn't it, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah Pelkas, who's, who's a player for them as well, actually. He's one of their um, better players or high hopes for, for him, certainly, for, for Hull City. Both players tried to continue. Neither could. Um, we'll obviously focus on the uh, on the Watford side of that. So Hamza Chowdhury was replaced by uh, Joseph Hungbo. So there's two two elements to that. One that meant that the only fit um, central defender, uh, central midfielder Watford now have is Tom Delibashiru, <laughs> yeah. who who hasn't 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 been fit for for a long time mm. him, himself. I actually thought he looked good. Um, he looked strong and powerful. He looked like he knew what he wanted to do. Uh, positive on the ball, confident on the ball. I think he waned as the game went went on. But I think that goes for for all the Watford mm. players, to to be honest. But I think. <laughs> Really, it felt like Watford's... It shouldn't be like this, but looking back with hindsight, it felt like Watford's afternoon changed irrevocably when Chowdhury came off and, and Hungbo came on. Big chance for, for Hungbo. <laughs> didn't, didn't take it, did he? And, and you could say he was trying, but, yeah, you say people love a trier, but sometimes that doesn't, that's not enough. And it just felt like everything he did, not only just didn't come off, but it was almost like... I think every time he, he tried to attack, it seemed that the ball ended up coming off him and going out yeah. for a whole throw or a whole goal kick. We, we just got nothing out of him, which is such a shame because, he, he, you know, he burst onto the scene in that Man United Cup tie, didn't he, a couple of seasons ago. And there were clearly signs of promise there. And he's just not pushed on. And it is such a shame. And he says it all that he sort of got subbed off um, in, the, in the second half. Well, inter- interestingly, both subs that came on for yeah. that were then were then subbed off, and then we happened happened again with Manai coming on. He was yeah. subbed on, and then he was subbed off. I mean, uh, personally, I've, uh, if we oh. see him in a yellow shirt again, it'll it'll be it'll be it'll be too soon. But in terms of that midfield, I, I agree with Hungbo. It looked like it looked like he wasn't, and he wouldn't have been expecting to come on. Obviously, at that that stage of the game, it looked like even after the injury, it looked like Chowdhury was going to continue. Uh, he was unable to. So perhaps getting up to speed mentally and physically was was difficult, but. I'm not really sure that that's an excuse, but it was just one of those. It, it all looks so difficult for him, didn't it? And is that anything to do with, with Hull, or is that was it just a, a bad day at the office for him? And, and is he one that we perhaps need to to worry about? I mean, because the, the championship is 
we know it's difficult, but the, the quality of opposition, it, it simply isn't the same. One we've had high hopes for, starting to get a little bit concerned. Yeah, I think the opportunities were there for him. I think there were times where he was one-on-one with his defender and a player in his position of his potential ability should be then trying to take the player on. And like I say, nothing was coming off for him at all. So in terms of the impact of Chowdhury coming off and you know the long-term issues that Watford now have in that in that area how big an impact do you think that had on the game and how different would it have been if ifs and buts of course um, but how different would that game have been if, if Hamza Chowdhury continued do you think it's probably easy to say in hindsight but obviously the, the biggest thing is that Jao Pedro good a yeah. job as he did dropping into midfield alongside Deli Bashir and I, I was I think similar to you impressed with Deli Bashir today again first game back for after a long long layoff um, or long time out and I thought he was he was pretty good. I was quite pleased with the way he was sort of able to take control of the ball, and then sort of he was looking to to progress. He'd sort of buy himself a bit of time, find that sort of the direct route, do a bit of direct running. Then really, he didn't have too many people around him. Then sort of the rest of the the guys weren't as keen moving forward. It seemed, and he didn't always have a decent ball to to, to then play to. Um, but yeah, the big Pedro dropping in, and then you just just lose. Yeah. You lose Pedro, don't you? And yeah. we, we know how good he is and what a, a key player he's been again for us this season. And to then have to play him out of position, you're then looking at someone else playing. I think Espria moved um, into that number 10 role, didn't he, uh, at, at first. Um, and, and, and did OK, but he's just... He's not Pedro. He's a bit more lightweight. There's still... I think issues around him sort of getting knocked off the ball a bit too easy. So uh, a big ask, a big yeah. ask for, for Espria to to change role so quickly. I mean, I was thinking as the game went on, actually. I mean, I'm pleased that we're seeing as much of Espria as we are because every game that goes past is a is a game in his development and experience at his age is is going to be absolutely vital. So I am glad we're we're seeing lots of him because he will learn. But yeah, to ask him to do the Pedro role up top, I, I did want to speak about Zhao Jace because. It feels like a cheat code, doesn't it, having him in a, in a championship side? I mean, he is just extraordinary the way he is. He's just every time I see him, he looks better and better and more confident on the ball, more comfortable, uh, knows what, he, what he's doing. And I think what he gave to the team today, I think it was in the... It might have even been in the first half where it looked like a lost cause down in front of the uh, rookery, the corner between the, the rookery and the Elton John, and it looked like it was going to dribble out for a, for a goal kick or a, a corner or a throw in to, to Hull. And he bust a lung to get down there and to, to nick it back. He's, he's always looking to create, he's always looking to, to make something happen. And unsurprisingly, due to the, his workload, I think he faded as the, as the game went on, yeah. later on. But it was a, it was another was, big yeah. performance, and it, it, and it and it wasn't for the want of trying again. I think, I, I think, he did, and again, sort of late on, there was a, a point where there's no ball on for him. He's trying to make something happen. He's made a run. Three players around him. Guy's got the tackle in, but then he's then turned around, and then he's just got, he's got a toe poke in. Otherwise, Seri's away again. He's got the toe poke in, and we've got the ball back. And it's just it's that difference with him 
that we're not seeing from other players in the side. Yeah, and I, and I think it's as supporters, we've got to make the most of watching these players mm. when we where, while we've got them because he, he is just a, a cut above, and we you know we're starting to see, we're starting to be reminded of what life is like in the championship with absolutely no disrespect to the opposition we're we're seeing. I mean, Hull have some some uh, some marquee players of their own, but week in week out, you're seeing players that are a level below mm. what we've been used to really, mm. and we've got one of the you know undoubtedly one of the best players in the in the championship he's going to go on to have an incredible career and I think it's important that we really do make the most of him <sighs> let's get move on to the attack then it was it was Sean of Jao uh, Pedro and his in, his input really in that in that final third Espria we've we've spoken about a little bit Davis I mean he does he's got that incredible it's like a magic trick isn't it it seems like mm. the ball's gone and he manages to get his backside in yeah. between him, yeah. him and the defender and he is a he's an absolute handful we've got 90 minutes out of him today Davis and, and Ken to round it off then Jace how do you how do you think those guys did I thought I'll start with Ken because I thought he was our best threat today yeah. attacking wise yeah. I, 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 again it's it, you know how he plays he likes he's not one to beat someone for pace it's all about just out muscling them and he did that time and time again he won that great free kick where I thought his first touch was a bit dodgy they were only actually saying he's not being players for pace at that point he did he got to the ball first and the guy Jones just hacked him down and yeah won that free kick but again it was just it, they were putting two men on him at times and he was sort of yeah yeah able to then sort of play that pass that he, or that, that ball that he does just sort of dink it past the player around the corner and then just yeah. Barge them out yeah. of the way, outmuscle them out of the way, and get through. And Ken yeah. doing what Ken does. And sort of our, our best two chances came down that side. Um, one, the Espria one, where, where the keeper made a save, probably should have done better. And the and the Manai one, where uh, I'm not sure if that's when he did his hamstring or if he, he just had already done it, and or he just didn't really have the confidence or what. Don't well, well, let's let's deal with Manai actually now. Before, so we can end we can end on a positive with with Davis. I think. I mean, he 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 coming back from an injury. He's been he's been out for a long time. Um, he did have the best chance of the game. Um, I'm going to call it an open goal because as far as as far as striking opportunities go, you get something on that, and it's mm. at the back of the net. I mean. To give him credit, he did try to finesse it away from the goalkeeper because the keeper was there and put it in that mm. in that far, in that far corner. If it comes off, it looks like a great finish. But really, there you've just got to get contact, and it's a goal, isn't it? Exactly. He's got the number nine on the back of his shirt. I mean, he, he, he is a he is a striker. That's what he is. That's what he wants to be. He should be taking those opportunities. There's probably not much more to say than that. He just yeah, get and it's and it I shouldn't mean, be difficult. He's a, he's a striker. It shouldn't be difficult if he wants to put it he knows where the keeper is if he wants to put it either side of the keeper he should be able to do that with no defender on him with ease and he hasn't and that's poor he, look, he looks miles off it to me I thought and, and yes okay he went off clutching the back of his um, his thigh didn't he whether that's a recurrence of the, the injury for me he looks miles off it the amount of what you, what you do get from most of these Watford players even if it isn't a 8, 9, 10 out of 10 performance is effort we are mm. getting that and for him, slow to react. Um, but just before he came off, he was sort of like lumbering. It's like, not, not for me. And I think it's it, it, the interesting dynamic there is that he came on instead of Bayo, yeah. who's, who's, yeah. who's looked OK when he's come on. You know, I was critical mm. of that signing when it was made, critical of both signings. But Bayo at least has looked like 
some sort of target man and, and has, and has yeah. bagged a couple of goals. So interesting to, to see that. I don't think that given half a chance, Bilic would have made that, that, that substitution that way round again. But yeah, I wonder how many times two Watford substitutions have come, oh, no. subs have come on and been, <laughs> yeah. and been subbed off. So just to round off the, the, the squad performance, the team performance, Jason, Keenan Davis, I mean, for me, I think he's, he's going to be so, so important for us, isn't he? And he, he showed why today, I thought. I think so again, yeah, particularly when we talk about the quality of the other sort of forward players as we have done just then. Um, and again, like you say, it's that, that hold-up play, that strength, that ability to, you think he's lost it. No, actually, he's there again, he's got it. There was one moment in the first half where he looked like he almost sort of trod on the ball and then turned his defender and was away. Yeah. Just, just really good. And there was one, another one where he sort of chased the ball down in the corner. And just, yeah, again, using his strength then to hold up, hold, hold the defenders off, wait for players to come with him at times I, I thought he was left a bit isolated during yeah. the press mm. and uh, and it was almost like he wasn't sure what to do because he didn't have the other players pressing and I don't know if that again has come from having to make those early changes if Pedro would have been in that 10 role would he have been pressing where he should have been and the others weren't sure what they should be doing and you sort of see him that the, the two central defenders of Hull have got the playing with the ball Davis is pressing one no one's pressing the other and if, you, if that's happening then it's not going to work and there's no point in Davis pressing and, he, and he, he's sort of then sort of not sure what he's doing almost makes him look like he's not trying because he's like what, what am I meant to be doing so felt a bit sorry for him on that front because of, of what else was happening in terms of the or not happening in terms of the press from the rest of the team um, and I think then it led him being a little bit I thought he looks a bit out of puff towards the end yeah. uh, and we know we he was he was injured when he when he first came wasn't he and and, and he sort of he, you don't know how this break as much as it's a rest what does it mean in terms of match sharpness and those players that haven't had perhaps a full pre-season that were only just starting to get back into the swing of things is that a setback for them rather than an opportunity to to recharge batteries so yeah I think that's probably why we saw that at the end from him yeah so well do you know what talking it through I came out there feeling a bit grim but talking it through I think individually the majority of the performances were potentially gave us something to to be positive about I mean their performances you'd expect from the, yeah. the quality of what they've got really you, can, you know can't mask the fact that that is a hugely disappointing result we've, we've sort of given ourselves not much wiggle room but lack of consistency in that first half of the before the World Cup break and performances like that we can't have too many no. of them but plenty um, plenty to be positive about even if the uh, even if the result wasn't what we Anticipated or hopeful? Yeah, you, I mean, if you we talked about those two chances, they should go in, and they, another day they go in, and we're saying two 0 Yeah, and the performances were decent enough, but things to work on, but something to build on. It was the phrase that everyone used last night watching England against France: fine margins. Yeah. I think Pedro had a decent chance as well. He sort of uh, got a shot away, and it was destined for the bottom corner. Keeper made a good save. So it's finished here. Uh, Watford nil, Hull City nil. From the rookery end. A podcast about life following Watford FC. So, Jace, we, we mentioned you know Watford's ongoing injury crisis. I'm always conscious about sort of not making too big a deal about it because every club has injuries, especially in the Championship. The, the volume of games means means that, and it feels a bit rich for really for a team that has come down from the Premier League with all the parachute money to be complaining about um, injuries. But we have got real 
issues in the centre midfield now, haven't we? I mm. mean, who's that? Big so Kmo is missing today. Hamza Chowdhury's injured. Imran Loser's out. Cleverly's out. Gosling's out. Um, so that is a real cause for potential concern. But Watford did use the break um, to get active in the transfer market. They've signed uh, Ismail Kono from Montreal. Uh, many of you will have seen him in action, catching the eye, in fact, for for Canada at the at the World Cup. And I spoke to Canadian football expert and broadcaster Christian Jack while he was at the World Cup just uh, to find out a little bit about what we can expect from new signing Ismail Kone. I think you're going to love the player, Mike. I really do. I mean, this is a player that we've covered for a very short period of time. We're not used to having too many stars come out of Canada so quickly. Obviously, everyone knows about Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. Their emergence was not even as quick as this one. Ismail Kone hasn't even played a professional game um, until 2022. That's still this year. To think about his emergence, how quickly he's come. Uh, but watching him live a number of times, he's just got a little bit of sparkle dust. You know, he's got a little bit of quality that he takes over games very quickly. I'm absolutely thrilled for him and for Canada that he gets to go to a brilliant club like yours who can develop talent and, and, and work with a great coach as well. So I think... You're going to like him a lot. He's, an, he's traditionally a number eight, a roaming midfielder, but he's also played for Montreal almost as um, almost as a number ten with a bit of free roll free roll license, and that that might be down to the fact of his his I suppose his tactical immaturity is the best way to put it because as a player he's got a lot of gifts, but he hasn't had a lot of uh, play you know a lot of time under coaches to really show him that tactical discipline yet, and that will come. Sure, especially under uh, under um, under the Watford coach, of course, who's got lots of uh, lots of experience. I'm, I'm I'm known as the pessimistic one, Christian, on the on the podcast. For, so I was going to come on and try and dampen expectations about about this signing, but but to hear him described as a star straight away, that's that's quite high praise, isn't it? It is. Look, I think obviously where he's played here and the level that he's going to is is a significant significant step up. So there's, there's undoubtedly going to be a betting in process in a period where he's not going to be playing well. He's not had that yet. But this is not a player that is shy of big games. You know, this is a player that played his biggest game in a club football shirt in Major League Soccer playoffs against Orlando and found a way to drive forward and score that winning goal and be really calm. Uh, you know, and, and when you think about just how young he is to be able to do that, um, it's still only 20. What I like about him is that big games don't take him over. Even watching him here in Qatar, he had opportunities to come in and make a difference. Like you said, he, he presses well, he covers well, he can play almost on the right-hand side if, the, if you play a 4-3-3, but he can cover for a striker or a forward on that right-hand side who doesn't press or doesn't defend as well. So uh, there's a lot to like about him. I think you're going to really enjoy him. Uh, and, as, and as I said, as long as there's some patience there, this is a player that I think will be uh, in Europe for many, many years. That's really encouraging to hear. And I mentioned the Watford coach, of course, it's Slaven Bilic. And I think he is someone who is a good man-manager. I think he'll understand that the situation that he's coming to us in, in terms of his relatively wet behind the ears, um, and will hopefully be able to develop him. I, I wanted to ask, Christian, two questions, really. Watford have been lacking in midfield. They have Imran Luza, the, the Moroccan, he was supposed to be out there with you at the, at the World Cup and, and suffered an injury. And he's probably our key creative midfielder and we're going to be without him for the rest of the season. D- do you think Kone can come in and, and add that little bit of spark, that almost like that quarterback role where somebody can pick a pass and, and drive things forward, that link between the, the defence and the, the attack, which was where Watford have struggled a little bit this season? 
or, or, or are we asking too much for him to come straight into the team and have, have such a big impact, do you think? Oh, I, I think this, that, that's the feeling, obviously. I think that, that, that he, he can definitely make a difference. You know, what I like about what you just said there is he can be a link. He can drive forward and really be that connection, like a true number eight. You know, he's played a, he's played a lot of games here. I say a lot. And a majority of his games as a professional footballer with Victor Wanyama. And he's got a lot of similarities with Wanyama, a player that you would be very familiar with that played in England for a long time. He's not, he's not, he's just not as traditionally as, as a holding player like Wanyama. He's got more of an athleticism about him that he can drive forward. But the way that he opens his body up, not only to receive a pass, but he passes with force. He's just got a physicality about him that I don't, he's not going to get brushed off the ball too much. And I think that's the key thing for me is that how is he going to adapt into the physical nature of the championship? which is, you know, a ruthless league where you play, you know, games twice a week and there is a real physicality there. I think that's the step up that I think if I was advising him to be ready for, he has shown the ability to be physical in MLS, which is a physical league, but nothing like what you play in. Uh, so I think as long as he can bring that strength uh, and not get bullied, then I do think he can be a driving force for you in midfield. So you, ultimately you'd say he's probably ready to be pitched straight into, into championship into championship action because Watford it's a season of two halves obviously there's this gap in the middle but we're hoping it's a season of two halves in terms of form for Watford as well because they really had a bit of a false start to the season they didn't get going under Rob Edwards and it's taken Slab and Bilic a little bit of time to to turn what is a talented squad around and get them playing well but Watford are going to have to hit the ground running now they haven't left themselves much wriggle room if they're going to uh, challenge for one of the top two promotion spots would you throw him in would you say straight away? Yeah, the thing you've got going about him is that he's coming in form, right? That's the key, is that he's obviously coming in at a very high level and his confidence is up. So I don't see why Slavin Bilic would necessarily impact that by not playing him for a number of weeks before. And now obviously he's going to want to have a look at him. Um, it sounds like you're a fan of Bilic. I certainly am. He's, he's obviously got that disciplinarianism about him, but I think he's quite a compassionate manager. He puts his arm around players. He's certainly been that way in the past when he's got the players like West Ham, players at West Ham and others. So like, I think they're going to sign him to play him. You know, ultimately, they're going to get opportunities to get him in there. Get in there. And um, yeah, as you said, there's, if, there's, if there's issues there with, with Luzer being injured, then pull him in there and make a difference because... I think, as I said, he's the kind of player that intelligent Watford fans are going to know about. And I know a few Watford fans myself, and I think they're going to like him. That, I mean, it's, it all sounds really exciting and I really appreciate your, your input and I think this will really give Watford supporters a bit of a spring in a step as we, we've got Hull at the weekend. Um, so from watching a bit of the glamour of the World Cup, it's back to the, the nuts and bolts of the championship for Watford. Christian, just before I let you go, I just wanted to touch on Watford's sort of worldwide reputation, if you like. Obviously, you're based in, in, in Canada, you're at, you're at the World Cup. What, is Watford, I know they're only in the Premier League for a relatively short amount of time, but is there... Is there an awareness of a, of, of a club like Watford? I guess the, the reason for the question is, how do Montreal fans feel, do you think, about one of their rising stars going to the Championship and, and, and to a club like, like, like Watford? What you, Watford fans need to understand is that Canadian football fans or soccer fans, and they use both over here, are very intelligent. And they're very familiar with Watford. For years, we, and I was privileged to be part of the broadcast, we had lots of Watford games live across all national networks here in Canada. Um, some of them have now gone behind streaming paywalls, but people still watch them. There's a big following of many Premier League clubs uh, in the UK. We're talking about the World Cup, as the, as the World Cup, and I've just seen you know Ismail Assar play here, and people talk about his connection to Watford and 
and the Pozzol family with the connections to Udinese and there's a heavy Italian community in, in Toronto as well. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think there's anybody in Canada who thinks, oh, why Watford? You know, I, I put it out on Twitter that I think the club's got a wonderful reputation in the global game of being trusted to get young, talented players by these big clubs around. And they're happy to make, um, you know, them make tons of money on these players because they know they can go to Watford and develop and play. And, and that's, I think, the reputation that Watford have got, you know. That, you know, I think we've got a great manager in Pillage and I'd love to see you back in the Premier League and surviving for a few years because it's a tremendous club. And that's my memory of, you know, in the 80s with you guys making cup finals and things. And, and I think around the world, it's still considered a, a very respectable club. And, and Montreal fans, I think, more than anything, are not saddened that he's gone to Watford. They're just saddened that he's already gone after playing just one season of professional football. From the rookery end. So, Jace, it sounds like he's um, an exciting young prospect. He is young. He is still a prospect. His career is very, very young. It's mm. very much in his infancy. It's only really sort of kick-started in terms of it being a, a senior career in the last year or 18 months or so. Are we going to have to throw him straight in and are we going to have to rely on him? <laughs> it sounds like we are with the injuries we're getting, isn't it? And, uh, and it... it, it he could be that sort of player that we've been missing at, more sort of forward-thinking midfield player. Um, and I, I must be I'd not sort of heard anything about it. And then watching, I think it might have been the first game when he came on, their first game against Belgium, where he came on and the commentators were talking about, I think Sheffield United and Norwich were also interested, and they mentioned us. And it was like, oh, right, OK, that sort of piqued my interest a bit. Let's yeah, nice, nice for them to be mentioning us about transfers and not about a manager turnover, which even they managed to squeeze in in a number of games during the World Cup. Watford a massive, there we go, etc. Yeah, so, so yeah, and, and, and it feels like, it does feel like a Pozzo signing, doesn't it? Uh, a player who's sort of, I mean, this time last year wouldn't have been on anyone's radar yeah. because he, his career hadn't even started pretty much. He, hadn't, he certainly hadn't taken off. And then, but then when he did start, it did take off. And, and to go from sort of professional debut to playing in a World Cup so quickly, even if it is for Canada, that, that's almost irrelevant. I mean, that is absolutely brilliant. For, and, and hopefully shows a sort of will and desire and an ambition in, in, in such a young player that if we can get hold of and if we can turn him into a star and be a Pozzo success like some other players have been, and not into a dud, <laughs> yeah. Like some players we've seen, then you've got you've got to be hopeful. But sometimes it's the hope that kills you. But I think at this stage we, we can we can be positive about him, can't we? Another player on his way to us from Fluminense via Udinese, Martins, attack-minded player. We, we sort of skirted over it earlier, Jace, but there's definitely going to be interest in Ismail Assar in January. Personally, wouldn't be surprised if he goes, wouldn't be surprised if he stays. Um, but I think we need to be getting ready for his departure sooner rather than later. Do you think that's why Martin's coming to Watford has been sort of fast-tracked? I'm sure it will be. And I, I, I think, to be honest, as much as you'd, you'd want him to stay, you got to feel that Just feels really right. now we really do need to sort of cash in. He had a he had a decent enough World Cup. He wasn't sort of ripping up trees, but he he had a job to do because obviously Senegal were missing Mane, and yeah, he he did contribute. He did sort of did have a yes yeah, a good World Cup. I think it's fair to say. I I think it was good enough that he should pique the interest of other teams. And well, I, I think if we don't sell him now, then 
he's going to end up leaving on a free. We're probably not going to get the best out of him anyway. I just feel that January would be the right time to, to, to let him go, get some money in for him. It may be a case of even cutting our losses yeah, when you I think, think so. about our, what, what we laid out on him in the first place. Um, and it, we really, the club have only got themselves to blame for that, the, the, the way that the, the things were run from the point we brought him in in that, in that summer. Um, that's why he's part of a team that's stuttered up and down, up and down. Had we been in a team that had sort of kept going in the Premier League, we, we probably would have seen a lot more from him. We, he probably would, his value would have uh, increased as much as we'd wanted it to. And we would, yeah. it, it feels like it, it feels like a shame. It feels like we've never really, it felt like he should have been a superstar. Oh. For us, and I, and I don't think that it, it, it he will when he does depart, he will go with sort of. I just don't think he'll be one of those players that Jao Pedro is going to be spoken about for, for oh. years to come by people oh. who got to watch him. And, and yes, Ismail Assar has delivered some memorable moments. They, they play the goal against Liverpool in the pre match montage, and he's obviously an incredible player. Mm. But I just it's just frustrating, isn't it? It feels like we've never really seen the best of him for whatever reason and, and and I think that the 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 size of the fee we paid for him has always mm. fed into it mm. uh, not not that it should for us as supporters but you, you know you look at these things in the round and mm. I'm, I'm with you it probably feels like he's he's going to go James we're looking over outside the Hornet shop we can see the Christmas tree there Christmas lists are being finalised letters to Santa are going in you're not doing you haven't got a letter to Santa you've got a letter to the uh, to well Cristiano Giretto whoever will be in charge <laughs> of transfers by the time oh, nice. um, that um January window opens. It looks like we've got a new, uh, a new sort of director of football coming in, or director of technical, whatever his name's going to be. It sounds yep. like that is that is due to happen, which is exciting, um, and it feels like uh, perhaps we're going to we're returning to a more focused approach when it comes to uh, transfers, which have been far too hit and miss. You know, we've spoken about. Raymond I and other players coming in it feels like that is the culmination of some pretty poor uh, uh, decisions when it comes to transfer making but hopefully that's going to change Let, I'll give you three you, we need th- three pl- three new three new what, you can have three signings what, uh, what positions are they coming in Ooh, get, get your letter blimey, in now blimey three new signings I, I think you don't another, need to name them just position no I think and I think another striker um, I just feel that if we said how important Davis is I think if he goes if, if he gets injured, so I think we're struggling. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I know I said we're going to give him Gakia time, but I, I just feel that... Especially again, if we, left we, and we, right backs are missing, we are, aren't they? I think we, we, we're OK with Kamara. We said again, we know what his faults are, but I think he's decent enough. He's a good player for this level. I don't, I don't think we'll have a problem there. But you just feel that all the right backs are are not quite... We need one of them to be at the right level and none of them are they're all oh, they'd be okay as backups and Gaki would be okay as a backup Gasper is okay coming on for 20 minutes but you just feel we need we need a proper right back and I think we've not seen hardly anything of Courtney Hawes I don't think we will do you and I don't think we will again I think he needs to go back to Villa so perhaps we need someone else in uh, more of a ball playing defender if we, we, we saw how good Cathcart was today as a proper centre back and he's alright on the ball the others aren't and it'd be nice to have someone alongside him perhaps who can advance with the ball because we are going to be seen still are seen as one of the better sides in the division 
teams are going to come here. They're going to defend like Hull did today. They're going to be worried about the likes of, of Pedro, Saar, whether he's here or not, Aspria, the new guys that come in. They're going to be worried about our attacking threats. So we're probably going to need someone that can bring the ball out maybe from the back and, and just offer something else, an alternative, and just to make the opposition think about having to come out more and, and, and challenge us further up the pitch. Otherwise, they're letting us sort of create for higher up. So I think, yeah, a, a ball-playing centre-back, please. There you go. Jason's list is done, sealed. It's in the post to the North Pole or wherever the head of, whatever the equivalent of uh, Transfer Santa is. Um, yeah, some plenty of work to do for Watford. It's still hard to call how this season is, is going to end up. I think if, we're, if you're half glass full, this is a decent squad um, with exciting players in it. And when it clicks, um, it's going to click well. And, and Watford are going to be a, a threat for most sides. But also, lots of questions and lots of gaps in the squad. We've mentioned today the, the lack of central midfielders is now chronic um, lots of games coming up in December before we get to the January transfer window being open Kone can't play until then of course uh, Martins can't play until then so this is a difficult difficult little period for for Watford and they haven't lost today which I guess considering the positive options in the centre of midfield which is such a key uh, area is is a, let's go with that as being a, a positive um, quite frankly because it's too cold to, to worry about anything else we got through it Watford nil, Hull nil. On to the next one. Cheers, Jase. Come on, yours. Yeah.